Hello and welcome back to the Oklahoma Venture Forum podcast. My name is Kyle Golding. Today I'm here with Kevin Moore, partner at Spur Capital Partners. He's going to be one of three venture capitalists on our VC panel on April 13th, coming up very soon, right? Along with Justin Wilson from I2E and Aaron Webster from Cameron Ventures. Good morning. Good, good to see you today. Good morning. Good to see you as well. So let's talk real quickly. Let people know what Spur Capital Partners, see, I almost said it wrong, uh, <laughs> what it is you guys do, uh, the kind of, kind of uh, things that you specialize in. So Spur Capital Partners is a early stage venture capital fund of funds manager. Uh, started in 2001, and we invest in a portfolio of top-tier VC firms that are based all over the country, and in some cases in China, India, and Israel. And they're investing at the early stage, which is typically the first institutional round that a company receives from an investor. So how early? Are we talking MVP early, or are we talking uh, having an actual product in the market? Most of the time, these companies have a product, and the product is somewhat developed. When they go to raise venture capital, they're looking for an investor that not only can provide them with capital, but with some sort of expertise to help them get the company going. So it's traditionally that first institutional round Series A. Now we do have some VCs that are investing at the seed and even pre-seed stages, but at this stage it's more first institutional check where there's a priced round and it's pretty clear the direction that that company is going before they raise growth capital. So you're coming in early and you're trying to help guide them uh, to a successful uh, development early on. Right. Are there any verticals that you particularly pay attention to or any that you absolutely stay away from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say that's a go deep in either one of those categories. <laughs> the two broad categories are technology and life sciences. So when we look at the underlying uh, portfolio companies, about 75% of the companies in our portfolio are in the technology sector. And the other 25% are life sciences. But within that technology vertical, it could be anything from robotics to artificial intelligence to health technology, biotech, um, consumer tech, enterprise SaaS, the range is very, very broad. Right. Technology covers a lot of a things, A lot right? of different categories, yeah. And are there any particular areas that you just absolutely stay away from? We used to stay away from crypto. However, that's many changing, of our right? VCs are – that's changing. The yeah. integration of the crypto technology and the right. blockchain technology has made its way, especially into fintech. And fintech has f- performed phenomenally well. Right. It's an area that I personally have a lot of interest in. It's, it's an area that's really uh, expanded recently and shown a lot of success yeah. recently, right? Yeah, it has, especially with companies like Affirm who offer the buy now, pay later, pay later. Right. no interest, no fees. The retailer essentially pays for that on the, on, the, on the back end so that the consumer can customize their own payment plans as opposed to relying on the payment plans that they get from credit card issuers. Right. So Visa and MasterCard have teamed up with these early stage companies and in some cases made their own personal investments such that they're not left behind on these trends that are happening. <laughs> but that great backing kind of gives validity to what's happening Exactly, as well. exactly. So it's a it's an ever-changing dynamic market. I was reading up on Web3 where right. so much of that is essentially – we had Web1 where it was 
you could just pay for things. And then you, Web 2 was you could pay for things online. And Web 3 is now you can pay for things in a multitude of different ways within entirely transacting your products and your transactions digitally. Right. Right. It never it never leaves the, the it screen. It never so leaves the speak. screen. Right. It's crazy. So what, what are you learning about crypto and those kind of alternative uh platforms right now because I mean, it's moving fast right it is i think the crypto gets a bad rap because what the word the way people see crypto is this super volatile bitcoin right. where it's just going up and down and people don't really understand its value intrinsically uh i see crypto as more the infrastructure that provides the platform to do other different other right. things to support transactions uh create stability in countries where they might have instability in their currency and this the ability to have a decentralized way to verify transactions i I don't think people really understand the importance of that but maybe in part two we could go into all those details so there's there's gonna be bigger implications for business than than simply not having to use cash anymore well not only that but just the blockchain and its incorruptibility allows employers and people who produce products right. to track X product along any portion of that value chain such that if something goes wrong, they can pinpoint it exactly because mm-hmm. no one can corrupt uh, the digital uh, trail of what happened there. So there's a lot of detail there, but I see more uses in that category than I do anything else. It makes a lot of sense. Interesting. So it, the world of finance uh, comes right along with the world of technology and everything else, right? right. It's constantly changing. And uh, if you're early stage, you definitely have to be on the front edge of what's what's not happening today, but what's coming soon, right? Oh, yeah. We're always thinking about what's next. And because we have a portfolio of managers that we not only see their underlying portfolio companies, but we also have the opportunity to co-invest with them right. in their underlying portfolio companies, we can get a sense for uh, where we want to invest, how do we balance our portfolio, and what are some of the trends that they're looking at that maybe the wider general public may not know about? How would you describe Spurs' philosophy? Uh, are you super aggressive, super conservative, somewhere in the middle? Are, are you, folks from Cameron, they see a thousand deals come through a year and they invest mm. a three to five. Yeah. So extremely conservative in the things that come through. But how, how do you guys kind of approach that? I would say that we are generally, I wouldn't say aggressive, but we're risk on for okay. sure. Given that the power law dynamics in venture right. provide us with the platform and the time to allow those big wins to actually materialize. When we look at our portfolio, of the underlying companies, and there are hundreds of them, uh, will fail. And a large portion in the middle will just do okay. But then 20% of those companies will deliver close to 80% of our returns. So that's certainly risk on, and I don't think a lot of people have the appetite for that. (laughs) It's it's another thing about venture capital that uh, most people not within the industry don't really understand is the the relations and ratios of how many things fail to how many things are successful. Yeah. uh, That they just don't realize how things work, right? And I think for people who are looking to invest in venture as an asset class, investing in a fund or even a fund of funds like ours – 
makes sense because you can diversify your risk across multiple companies. I think if you're investing in a direct company, it might make more sense to invest in a later stage company that has some traction, they have revenue, they have customers, et cetera. But at the early stage where things are still in formation, there's a lot more risk there. There's, there's more value, though, that comes to you in early stage as well, right? Because oh, for sure. Risk. Right. For sure, especially in this environment where late stage valuations are really, really high. Right. And the early stage tends to not really worry about valuations in the broader market because they still have so much more time to mature. They need the capital. They need the capital, yeah. So how long has Spur been around? How many people are employed there? And how, how, what, what kind of numbers are we talking about as far as how the funds that you're managing? So Spur has been around now 21 years. Oh, okay. And there are five of us on the investment team and another six that are just at the company. We have about $1.2 billion in assets under management across now seven funds. And Spur Ventures 1 was raised in 2002, right after the first year of the founding of Spur. And we're in the process and toward the end of raising Spur Ventures 7. Okay, wow. So each of our funds is anywhere between 100 to $200 million in size. Wow, very impressive. Any of those funds invested in companies started or located in Oklahoma? Uh, we have not had much exposure to companies in Oklahoma, and I think a lot of that has to do with what has happened over the venture cycle. So starting in the early 50s, VC really formed in Silicon Valley. Since that time, it has now spread across the country. The opportunity set throughout the Midwest has certainly gotten significantly bigger, but that hasn't really happened within maybe the last 10 years. Right. So because we're looking at fund managers mm-hmm. and we'll co-invest with those managers into underlying companies, it's more of how do, where do we see the opportunities set and then how do we select those opportunities. Right. But I think the entrepreneurial scene in Oklahoma, as well as venture capital firms that are fu- uh, forming here, uh, are making phenomenal progress. And there are some really strong opportunities with entrepreneurs and, again, VC funds coming up. But... I would have to run some analysis to figure out geographically where all of our underlying portfolio companies are. Makes sense. Now, before you were at Spur, you were with I2E. Yes. Uh, tell, describe a little bit of what you did at I2E. So I did two things. I ran an angel fund, uh, a group of angel investors, and as well as working with individual technology companies. Uh, it was fun. It was great. I2E, I think, serves a phenomenal role in Oklahoma. They certainly have a phenomenal brand. When I was there, uh, we had an angel group that would invest in our companies. And then the idea then became, how do we start a fund with those angel investors so that we can uh, better streamline the way that we invest in these companies? So I worked with Scott Meacham to start that fund, and I think now they're on Angel Fund 3, and they've raised Plains Ventures and have just really built on that initial uh, idea to a, to a great degree. But I loved my time there. I still have great relationships and serve on the board there as well. And before that, you were with Federal Reserve. Worked at the Fed for a couple of years, learned everything I needed to know and more about banking. Uh, but the majority of my career has been in finance. I spent time at Morgan Stanley, at Northwestern Mutual, lived in Chicago for a portion of that time and built a large retail base of investors. So I love this space. I think the public versus private 
space, there are some significant differences, both of which I appreciate, but I like the private side a little bit better. But your your college degree is not finance. No. You know, I, I got my degree in civil engineering with an emphasis on structural, like, buildings. Okay, can't wait to hear how this transitions <laughs> you into finance. I was sitting at my desk shortly after graduation at my first job in Chicago, and I decided that, you know, I didn't – this isn't what I wanted to do forever. And I started investing on my own into my own personal brokerage account, and I was like, oh, this is doing well. And I said, I'd like to do this for other people. So then that's when I made the leap and went into finance. And uh, it was certainly not uh, an easy transition. But when I meet other people in this business, no one has a linear path to getting in venture. And that's probably the biggest takeaway that I got from meeting other people and that I would even give to other people looking to get in venture is there is no linear path into this space. It's just do you have enough curiosity and enough drive to make it happen? Or passion to learn about it, willing to invest your time and energy into it as well? Yeah, I always my, – one of my mantras is I'll take hustle over intelligence and I'll certainly take curiosity over intelligence as well. But most of the people that uh, are in this business, I think intrinsically all of them are smart but the shared commonality between them is they're all very, very curious about things. And that, to me, is what drives innovation. That makes a lot of sense. So speaking of insights, what are some of the most common misconceptions that you run into when people uh, understand that you're in VC? What do, what do they start asking you or thinking that the, that VC is that probably is completely wrong? I think they think that the, the idea of venture capital was – uh, venture capitalists are mean, and they only want to do takeovers and drive wow. a company into the ground. They want right. to steal ownership from entrepreneurs. Hostile takeovers. Hostile over, right? Yeah, all that. But that's really not the case. The evolution of VC has changed so much to where it used to be an entrepreneur was starting a company in their garage, and through that process, they figured out a way to build a phenomenal company. Well, now it's a lot more organized and structured and how entrepreneurs raise capital and how VCs interact. There's a lot of standardized term sheets and all these technology platforms that allow entrepreneurs to get resources faster and even for new VCs to start VC firms. So I think the industry has become a lot more modernized, much more streamlined, and that whole idea of VCs are there to just drive a company in the ground for total value, that just doesn't really happen anymore. Nor are VCs there just simply to write checks. No. I mean, to me, the capital is the most commoditized aspect of venture capital right. in, in, the, in the way that the industry has evolved. Money is not the issue. It's how much value can that general partner add to their underlying portfolio companies. Since you work with other VCs, what are you hearing from them about what they think – whether it's a type of industry like we were talking about crypto earlier or attitudes or or laws or or what what is it that you think in the next five years is going to is going to have the biggest impact on how things move forward cloud technology i think is huge security in the cloud and i guess just to explain that most people most companies are moving all of their infrastructure off-site so VCs are investing in how do we make that more secure, more efficient. So a lot of the big SaaS exits, that's what you see. I think uh, one of the largest 
enterprise SaaS exit in history that was venture-backed was a company called Snowflake. This one company, uh, the VC who invested in that company, they returned almost $5 billion back to their investors from that one company. And essentially it sent this message that this is a space that is ripe for additional innovation and disruption because it's such a huge need as our society moves to be more of one that's digital versus material. So that's a big one. People are still trying to figure out crypto and NFTs and Web3 and how all that fits in. But kind of the bread and butter has always been the enterprise SaaS space. And do you think there are industries that maybe it's it's banking or something else that are never going away, like always going to be great places for, for people to find investments and, and make returns on it? Banking industry is never going away, but it has changed dramatically. Right. I mean, think about the last time you went into your local branch. That just doesn't happen anymore. It's You can do so many things yeah. online, as well as retail investing. Uh, the idea that now all retail investors can trade commission-free, that's because of technology. Right. So that whole finance area is changing because of innovation and how technology companies are able to make things easier for consumers. What do you think uh, the effect of the, the essentially the two years of COVID happen, have on technology, on innovation, people working from home, uh, banking from home, all those changes that kind of came about kind of in a really forced way because mm-hmm. of COVID-19? That's a good question. I think that the observation that most of us see is that these things were already trending in that direction. COVID just accelerated. Now, coming out of COVID, if that's what's happening, I think that that is, I think that we're going to see more of that, but we're going to see maybe a compression of valuations of companies that really helped us get through that uh, cycle, such as Zoom. I mean, where would we be without Zoom? Right. Uh, and, and other companies like them. So I think that COVID helped technology, and maybe it'll be something else, but we were, I think we came out on top. A lot of people thought COVID was going to crush the venture capital industry, right? but it didn't. So Innovation is one of the keys to surviving something that's unpredictable like COVID, right? So luckily, the, the most innovative companies did kind of come through really well. And, well, like Zoom and DoorDash and right. some of these others where – Instacart, all these companies, without those companies, think about what we would have done. Probably the spread of COVID would have been way worse because there would be more people out. Uh, Companies that, even restaurants who were depending on, say, DoorDash to sell more food, maybe more of them would have shut down. I don't know. Or entertainment, like streaming platforms and all of the the streaming options that we have now that we didn't have just a couple of years ago. Definitely were ramped up by people being cooped up in the house, right? Yeah, and you know, if you take a step back from all of this, you can start to see that these trends were accelerated by COVID, but it's a trend that our society was headed on anyway. We're we're already looking for it. We just got there quicker than we probably would have otherwise, right? Right. So you'll be part of our three VC panel. You'll be the second panel. You'll be one of three venture capitalists on the panel. Okay. Uh, Having some of these same conversations, I'm looking forward to seeing what the folks in the room and the people on Zoom, you know, the the meetings are all on Zoom now as well. So if you can't make it to a venture forum meeting because uh, you run out of time or you're in Tulsa or Ardmore or Lautner or out of Oklahoma, you can always uh, jump on the Zoom and, and see. So, 
It'll be interesting to hear the questions from the people in the room, and maybe someone will send a question via Zoom uh, for our three panelists as to what their understandings of VC, of venture capital, what's looking, what's happening right now, what you're doing in the future as well. So I'm really looking forward to having that conversation with you again with the other two venture capitalists. Yes. Uh, here in just a couple of days. Yeah. But I appreciate you coming on the podcast, talking a little bit about venture capital. You you and Spur Capital are doing some different things than our other panelists and the other three panelists that were earlier in the year. So it's I think it's fantastic that we're getting such a breadth of mm-hmm. information and background about all the different ways that venture capital and investing is happening, uh, not just in Oklahoma, but all over the planet. Right, right. So I appreciate your time yeah. and insights today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.